All right, we want to welcome everyone back to SALTCAST. I'm Bob Turner, the director of the Sunset Academy of Leadership Training, otherwise known as SALT. And once again, we have with us Joe Wilkie. Welcome, Joe. Nice to be here. Well, it's great to have you. And I tell you, I was so encouraged by the things we talked about last session. And I know that the people who are listening and, and watching are getting some material that will be helpful to them, whether it's a matter of them personally dealing with some sort of an addiction or if it's someone they know. And we're going to talk more about that in future, future sessions. But as I mentioned to you, one of the areas that really intrigues me is the discussion that I often hear around the idea of personality or genetics. And a lot of times people tend to think that certain addictions are really genetically imposed in some way and that and people just don't have a choice. And so I'd like for you to talk about that because I know from a biblical perspective, there are areas that we know of that when it's sin, it's not about a genetic thing. So how does that factor into that? What, what can you tell us about the idea of personality or genetics and how people tend to think, well, they're just born with this? Yeah, yeah. And that's such a great question because I feel like a lot of times when people ask that, it's almost like they're trying to absolve themselves from it, right? Like, right. like it's a... It's almost like an excuse, like, well, I'm just predisposed to, to addiction. And that's a difficult topic because, first off, there's a lot of research that has gone into this great book called Your Brain on Porn. There's a lot of research that has gone into whether pornography addiction exists, and there's a lot of people that deny that. And so discussing the genetics of it isn't as common. Now, there's a, there's a few things you can find on, on the Internet, you know, and studies that have been done that do discuss it pretty much works the same as, as – alcoholism. Um, you know, we know that there's a, there's a genetic predisposition to that. And they say kids are every 80 times more likely if they have that gene. Um, and so there's, there's some people that have, have advocated for, um, some things like dopamine responses, um, trying to work genetically to fix this issue, I guess is, is I'm not, I'm not a scientist, so I don't know exactly how all that works. Um, but I know some people are trying to fix it genetically. And to me, you may be predisposed. And if you're predisposed to it, and, and if you have those genes, you might fall into it easier. And it might be harder to get out of. But at the end of the day, I still take the same approach. And so I still think that we, the, the onus is on us to really work ourselves through it, whether we're predisposed or not. Um, obviously, if, if we know that we have that, we try not to go into, into the addiction, understanding how much more it'll take a hold. I know alcoholism runs in my family. That's why I don't want to touch it with, with pornography though. It's so difficult to not because it's everywhere. It's on billboards. It's on TV. It's on commercials, right? It's, it's, you pull up Spotify or Instagram or whatever it may be. And you're just bombarded with, with things. And so it's very easy to get involved um, and, and, and to kind of fall into addiction. And if you were predisposed, yes, it might be easier. But the other interesting thing is I think in terms of personality, Anybody, any personality can fall into this, in, in my opinion. Um, but I think the ones that struggle with it the most are like the type A personalities that are very driven. Um, mm -hmm. The reason why I believe that is part of this addiction is rooted so much in pride. And type A personalities have a lot of self-pride, right? They, they are dominant figures and they're known for being dominant figures and they, they kind of like that control that they have. Um, and then this is, I don't want to paint with a broad brush, but for the most part, I, I find that to be the case. And so, um, I feel that they're very prone to addiction just because of the pride that's in there. And in order to beat this addiction, you have to be willing to 
let go of everything and to lose everything, including your pride to beat it. And so those, I, I would say again, yeah, those things matter, but not in terms of coming out of it. I think it, it kind of works the same. It may be a little more difficult, but it can still be done. So I should have probably brought this up at the same time, but is, is environment critical to that discussion as well? I believe so. Yeah. And so that you have a classic nature versus nurture, right? You know, is it the nature that causes it or is it the nurture? And, and maybe it is a bit of both, right? Maybe we do know that there are addictive genes. And so maybe the nature is aspect is a big aspect, but to me, the nurture is everything. And the worst possible circumstances a kid can grow up in is, is either parents that are completely open about it and just do whatever you want. You know, there's no checks, there's no anything um, for the kid. And, and so he can just get into whatever, whatever age, hand the kid an iPad at four years old and let him, you know, there's no parental checks, things like that. That's terrible environment. I would put up their Christian environments where they don't talk about it and they shame sex. And I think that's a terrible environment to grow up in as well. And so, um, we, the, I work with a lot of Christians. Now I've worked with non-Christians and with this, but I work with a lot of Christians and that's one that really comes through is, is we just didn't talk about it and I kept it silent. You know, I couldn't let people know about it because I had a reputation and my parents would have killed me if they had found out. And so it creates secrecy. So the environment and the nurture aspect to me is where you really see addiction just flourish and, and grow big time. Sure. Well, you mentioned this idea of shame. So let's kind of move into that because I know guilt um, I, I know personally, it, not just with sex addiction issues, but, you know, when we grow up in a Christian environment, we learn right and wrong. And we know when we do something that's wrong, there's a, a sense of guilt that can be very burdensome. I mean, it gets sometimes so heavy and, and we don't know what to do with that. And sometimes it, it creates a callus and we just go further uh, into sinful things. How, how does that factor into the discussion about uh, sexual addiction, pornography, and those kinds of things. How does the guilt work, and, and how do people deal with that guilt as a part of it? Yeah, yeah, guilt is huge, and we all hear, you know, godly guilt. Um, well, I'm sure we've all heard about godly guilt, and yes, there absolutely is that. And, and I would say, if you're struggling with sex addiction, you'll know if it's godly guilt. If it's turning you back toward God, and and you're growing closer to people and closer to God, and that's what the guilt causes you to do. If it causes you to turn inward that's shame. That's not guilt. Mm -hmm. And that's where I differentiate in my work is guilt quickly becomes shame. So you're already feeling guilty about what you did, but now you doubt yourself. You hate yourself. It's self-loathing. You're shameful about it and you can't tell anybody. Guilt would turn you toward God and others. Shame turns you toward yourself and away from others and God. Um, but in a weird way, specifically as Christians, we think that we deserve that in order to come to God, we have to have a certain amount of shame with it. And so we don't, we can't be free. We don't understand grace um, and how grace works because we're too busy thinking, I'm going to go to hell. I can't beat this addiction. I'm going to go to hell. Um, at least that's the way it was for me. And a lot of people that I talk to is it's a very similar thing. And so guilt turns into shame and shame is just a cycle. And so what you do is, is, you know, you watch porn and then you become a lot of guilt and then there's shame in order to bring yourself any positive emotion because you're just down in the dumps. I mean, you, you hit rock bottom and what it feels like in order to come out of that, what do you do? You go back toward porn, right? Because porn is that immediate uplifter. We know that that feels good in the moment. And so it's just a cycle. And the way to break that is grace. You got to understand that there's grace. Even when we feel guilty, that guilt should be turning us toward God. And if, and, and if it's not, 
you've got to give yourself grace and understand that God's not going to throw you in hell initially as long as you're coming back to him. When you turn away from him, that's when, as we know, I mean, we can point to Hebrews 6 and 10 and, and plenty others. That's when we know that you trample underfoot Christ, right? But outside of that, I, I work with a lot of my clients specifically on understanding grace. We do at least a full session on, on the principles of grace and how that's involved to overcome guilt and shame. Sure. Well, let's, let's talk about some of the avenues that deal with coming out of that. And what, what have you found to be the most helpful for Christians who are dealing with uh, this just from the standpoint to start with, let's, let's say as an individual, I'm struggling with this issue of either sex addiction or pornography or, or some area of addiction. What avenues have you found to be the most helpful for Christians coming out of that, that might give someone who's listening an opportunity to say, okay, here's an avenue that will help me. Yeah. The biggest thing that you have to start with, I want sobriety more than anything else. I want it more than anything else in my life. I, I will be, I'm willing to give up everything. I'm willing to give up my job, my pride, maybe even my family, if it helps me come out of this and get closer to God, if that's what it takes. Once we have that set, the most helpful thing that I've found is intimacy. And I'm not talking sexual intimacy. I, I define intimacy as to know and be known. You really know people and they really know you. And this is the unconditional love aspect. And unconditional love is, is the one ingredient to fix this. You have to feel that you're not worthless. You got to feel there's, there's people that engage in, in excessive pornography use and, and, and sex addiction there's so much shame tied up in it that they're anxious, there's social anxiety, they don't want to be around people. If the people, if people actually knew the real me, they'd reject me. Hmm. They, would, they would go running and I would have no friends. So I have to hide that aspect of myself. But what that does is creates a little darkness over here and then we project to the world. And so to the outside, it's kind of like those, those stage masks, right? Where one's smiling and one's, one's sad. That's how I define it is the inside is very sad, but the outside you have to project that you have things together. No. Be intimate, be open with people. And, and openness with people, which is what we get through accountability and what we get through just being open with Christians about our struggles, that's when it broke free for me and that's when I see the biggest change in my clients is when they are willing to finally give up their pride and their reputation, become open with others, and they pursue those relationships because addiction is loneliness in action. And if you cannot be lonely, if you can understand that you're, you're loved, the worst parts of you are still loved by God and by the brethren around you. They're still going to accept you. Yeah, you're going to have people that don't, but we shouldn't, we, and that's part of the work, is not worrying about those people that are going to reject you, but seeking out true, meaningful relationships. And I'm telling you, 10 times out of 10, that's what does it, is, is real, meaningful, intimate relationships in their life. Okay, so I'm going to take us down a little bit of a different path, but the same subject. From the standpoint of this intimacy and talking about leaders, and, and the last time we talked about how leaders can be more aware of the issue, how can leaders in the church create the kind of environment that, or at least what would you suggest to them to be thinking about in regards to creating the type of environment that allows people who are struggling with these kinds of things to feel the type of intimacy that they can share that because I, you and I both know it's very challenging for people to want to admit to other Christians that they're struggling with anything, 
let alone something of, of this nature. And, and so what could leaders do to help create that kind of environment in the church, not just in the church building, but in the church building to where people who are struggling with addictions like this can come and, and be open and honest and know that they're accepted and received in that kind of situation for them. Yeah. Lead by example. Lead by example. If you've struggled with this or if you have ongoing struggles, you've got to start from the top. You've got to be open. I, that's really what it comes down to is people respond much better when they know that you're human too. And if I think in the church, we kind of have a hierarchical structure where you have the elders and the preacher up here and they hardly ever sin, right? Mm. You have the rest of us down here and we're just, you know, there to impart their wisdom so we don't sin as much. It's kind of sometimes how it feels. And I know that's not every church, but sometimes how it feels. When we can, when our leaders are willing to say, you know, I've been there and I've really struggled because I know some elders that have, that have come from a passive addiction, but they don't really talk about it much. And, and how powerful would that be if they were to have classes on, hey, this happened to me. This is my journey through it. And, and so one of my main passages is uh, that I think about is when Paul's saying, you know, Christ's power is perfected in my weakness. When we can point to where we came from, and I was a sinner just like everybody else. I mean, the only thing that separates me from the worst of the worst is the blood of Christ. And when we take that humble approach and leaders take that humble approach and they're willing to be open about their past, they're willing to be open about their struggles. I'm telling you more people will follow because they're going to say, you know what? Brother so-and-so said that, that that's the case. The other thing I'd say is don't only expect people to be open about their sins after the, you know, when, when the invitation comes. And I think sometimes we can rely heavily on the invitation. Yeah. If, you have, if you have sin, you'll come forward. People don't, especially with pornography. Nobody's going to go forward. I mean, I've seen that maybe once in my life, maybe twice. I'm sure other people have seen it more, but, but people are, don't typically want to go forward with a private sin like that. That is embarrassing. They will be judged you know, embarrassing. I don't view it as embarrassing. I view it as look, 70% of guys are struggling with this on average. Like there are so many of us out there that are really hurting and struggling. If we were more open and just say, you know what, this is, we're dealing with something that's bigger than us that we have a difficult time working through. I need help. And if the church was not going to judge as much and we worked on, you know, again, leaders being very open about the statistics of it, maybe past issues that they've had or whatever it may be. Um, and I think that that can just create an environment where from the top down, you have this open intimacy of, wow, they struggle with it too. I'm, I'm not alone here. And when you know you're not alone, there's, I see this in my, with my clients when I go over the, um, when I go over the statistics, you can just see this burden lift. Like I'm not alone. Like more people struggle with this. You struggle with this too. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I did. I understand where you're coming from. I've, I've seen this before, you know, coming out of this is one of the hardest things I've ever done. And there's this camaraderie there because I was open with it they're open with it and we can know each other on a, on a different level than if I just said hi, pass in the hall on Sunday. Right. Well, and I tell you that kind of transparency is so needed, especially from leaders. Uh, and that's just great, great information. Uh, once again, I, I want to remind folks of how they can reach you because I think it's going to be vital for people who are listening to these, these podcasts that they have an opportunity to say, okay, here's somebody I can contact. And um, so if you would just give us your email address again, where people can send you an email, talk to you, maybe find other ways that they can either communicate with you by phone or Zoom or something so that they can get help. Yeah, it's joewilkiecounseling at gmail.com. 
And so I think my name will be in the description of the video. Um, Joe, W-I-L-K-I-E, counseling, joewilkycounseling at gmail.com. And um, check that pretty regularly. So yeah, I, uh, I'd love to hear from people and, and love to help work in. Well, I appreciate it. And I thank you again for your time. It's just great to have you here. Uh, we've got some other questions I'd like to ask you as we look further into this subject. So I look forward to visiting with you more on this subject as uh, those who are listening, thank you for joining us and tuning in today. And thank uh, Joe for his time and uh, certainly encourage you to join us again next week as we're going to talk more about this uh, particular area of addiction and sexual addiction pornography and how you can get help if it's an area you're struggling with. And one of the areas we're going to talk about next week, just as a little teaser, uh, is this idea of if I know someone or if I have a family member that I'm aware of who is struggling with this, what do I do? How do I help them most so that they can overcome this? So I hope you'll tune in and join us next week as we talk further with Joe uh, about this subject. Thank you all and God bless.